I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. You're listening to the Design Build Hunt podcast presented by Whitetail Partners. Here we cover all things whitetail property design, habitat improvement, and hunting strategy. Let's change your property for good. Welcome back to another episode of the Design Build Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Josh Raley, with Whitetail Partners, Georgia. We've got Lee Dixon from Whitetail Partners, Tennessee, Tim Kaiser, Sam Billhorn, both from Wisconsin, and Jake from Michigan. Guys, welcome back. Hey, hey, good to be here. There's that pause I was looking for. Every time. (laughs) I've got to figure out, there's got to be some kind of way to set it up where I can, I got to know what to say there at the beginning. We just got so many people on the line now. Uh, but so this episode though, excited for it. It's another property design breakdown. Uh, the listeners and viewers have spoken. They really enjoy when we do these. And I think it's one way that we can provide a ton of value for people. Uh, if you're doing nothing other than, than listening to the podcast or watching our YouTube channel, you can get a lot from these learning general principles. I do always try to preface this by saying, just because your property may be in the same state, may be the same shape, may look similar to this property, may be the same number of acres, whatever. Just because this property may look familiar to you as far as what you're used to hunting does not mean that a design exactly like this is going to be best for you, your hunting style, and is not necessarily going to help you meet your goals. So every property plan and design that we put together is custom, not only for uh, the land that it is on, but also for the landowner goals. And so I just always want to emphasize this. I would hate for somebody to put in, you know, a couple years worth of work, working towards a design that they, that they saw that they liked, and then implementing that design and being disappointed with the results. So I don't want you to end up there, uh, but there is a lot for you to learn here. So uh, Lee, I'm just going to let you take this one away. This is a 100 acre property a bit unique, um, you know, not a ton of properties out there probably set up quite like this one. So why don't you go ahead and kind of give me a, a 30,000 foot view? Yep. And that's why I picked this one to run through is just because it is a little bit unique. And I wanted to highlight a few things here for the viewers. But um, first of all, this is a central Arkansas uh, location. And you know, what I like to do with all of my clients, you know, before I even set foot on the property, you know, I want to zoom out and just assess the the macro situation, uh, the surrounding environment. What can I create, you know, distinct value? How can I create distinct value uh, on this particular parcel before I even show up? Um, so when I zoom out here, this is central Arkansas. So This looks like a lot of ag fields possibly, but the reality of it is, you know, all of these are 
pastures. You know, it's big cattle country right in here. Uh, very, very little row crop. Um, so, you know, when I zoom out, I see a lot of hardwoods. I see a lot of pines. Um, so really you've got just a flash in the pan of nutrition is what I'm seeing. Um, you know, you've got some larger treetops here. Uh, so you've probably got, you know, some hard mass for sure. That's, that's growing in this, this timber all around, uh, this, this client's, uh, property line here. He does not own a whole lot of the timber. He does own some. So when I'm trying to create distinct value and I look at this, you know, he has really good soils uh, in this bottom. I'm thinking food, food, food. Uh, the DNA of this property is set up, you know, just with some killer food. So I'm thinking, you know, that that early season, you know, he's going to have some killer uh, late season opportunities with this property because he will own the herds uh, with this food when there's nothing else out there. So back to this, you know, 30,000 foot view, I want to show you something here. So the neighbor's property right here to the east, you can see that they've recently, you know, uh, harvested their timber within the last five years for sure. Uh, and when we walk back here, we verified that uh, and it's just a jungle. It was so thick, uh, for sure housing a ton of deer on this property. So we're definitely going to be pulling a lot of our deer from this property. Um, and the design uh, definitely enhances that. So, you know, this, this particular client, um, the, the oak trees on this place, you get a lot of uh, swamp chestnut oaks on this place. And I'm telling y'all, these things were prehistoric. I have never seen trees this big in my life. Oak trees this big and the acorns were massive. Uh, extremely impressive. I took a lot of pictures. I wish I could show them right now because it was truly amazing. Um, so he does have some hard mass trees that he does own that I don't think it's ever been timbered. Uh, so there are little slivers uh, of you know, some, some hard mass that, that creates some awesome bow opportunities. Um, so, you know, talking about the food, you know, we, we obviously saw distinct value on this property of really bringing the food and bringing it in uh, multiple different ways. Right. Um, Lee, before we get too far into the food, um, yeah. you know, when you're saying distinct value, we're saying something that this property does that none of the other properties around it are, that's right. able to do or, or are doing at the current moment. I'm curious, you know, on this one, it's food. On some of the other properties that you've worked on, other clients that you've worked with, what are some of the other ways that you've said, hey, this is the distinct value on this specific property? Is it always food sure. related or what does that look like? No, I mean, it, it, you know, it just depends on the DNA of the property, it depends on the DNA of the neighbor's properties. Uh, we have a lot of times where, you know, you just have one main arterial travel route that connects two different hubs that, you know, hey, your property has an awesome, you know, peak rut or pre-rut, peak rut type, you know, arterial travel routes through it. That's when you need to be there. So your distinct value can change just based on your DNA, uh, you know, and those seasonal pattern shifts of the deer. Uh, they're going to respond, you know, differently just based on the DNA of the property. So um, you know, this one needed food, uh, other ones may need more bedding. They may need more, you know, security cover. This 
we, we are leveraging security cover from our neighbor here. He doesn't have enough right. to have security cover. You can start some regenerative growth in some areas, but he, he opted not to do that because he needs the uh, rental income off of this front piece here. And it would definitely challenge his access uh, by, you know, making regenerative growth out here. It would limit access to the, to the, uh, to the backside of his property here. So right. um, really cool. I try to leverage other values of other people's properties that you don't own, you know, and that's, that's what we do. We play our hand and we place off, you know, we play off the neighbor's hands as well. Yeah. So that's, that's something that each of the designs that we've shown so far have all been kind of playing off of what's going on around the property. And that's where, you know, I kind of want to point out to folks like, Hey, it's not just about your ground. It's about the square mile, two square miles, five square miles around you and what that's offering to the deer herd and asking, okay, how do we, how do we make, how do we tilt this scale in our specific favor? Yeah. I think it's important to jump in there too, just to say, sometimes it may be someone's thought process to try and create all of those things, to check all of those boxes and implement that on their property. When in fact, and a lot of times property size can constrain this, but even the property DNA is, as Lee calls it, you know, that that's going to dictate it as well. Mm. You need to work with what you have and leverage that and observe what's around you, not just try and recreate everything as if you can hold the deer solely on your property. Yeah, that's really good. That's really, really good. And yeah, you try to do too much. You end up not doing any of it very well. Absolutely. That's spot on. And you can see the, you know, the access over here is so challenged. You can't see this creek right here, but boy, this creek was wide and it was deep and you can't cross <laughs> it. So it was just, you know, you're, you're truly limited uh, on access. And just like 99% of us, uh, this, this gentleman was on a budget and, you know, he wanted five to six, you know, main stand locations uh, you know, that he could hunt. He wanted some for his dad, you know, that was, uh, aging slightly and he wanted some easy access for his dad, uh, that they could hunt quite a bit. So, you know, we're thinking observation stands, um, that, you know, are very non-intrusive to the property. Um, this neighbor right here, you know, just in walking the property lines, we could peek over and see some stands right in the woods here. So we know that he's, you know, ineffectively hunting his property. We know that he's purging deep. If we could see, you know, deer stands right on these property lines, he's coming a long ways through here, which is also, you know, we're going to play that uh, in our hand as well. So we know there's safety and security cover here. We know there's a lot of intrusion uh, to the Northeast here. Uh, So we're going to inherit a lot of uh, his mistakes and we're going to inherit a lot of this security cover over here. And then we know we've got nothing but cattle country to the south uh, and cattle just obliterate, you know, all of this cover. So uh, we're going to we're going to have a lot of deer, you know, uh, in this area, definitely late season. Once uh, <laughs> once the rifles start firing off, you know, uh, you'll be amazed at wh- where they find security. Um, so anyways, let's uh, let's dive into to some of the. The, the access routes, the red here was, uh, that's, that's accessing the, uh, the, the backside of the property here, the east side. This is flat as a pancake, guys. This property is truly, there was not a hill on it. 
Uh, there was one levee. It was a man-made levee uh, that was highlighted here uh, all the way around. And boy, those deer were hammering that levee. Uh, we'll get to that levee here in a minute. But <clears throat> so really a, a huge priority for this client, like I said, to have some observation stands where they can quite frequently hunt and not intrude on their herd. Uh, they don't want to export, you know, uh, what what little they have here. You know, it's very, this property is extremely sensitive uh, to intrusion. You know, if you were to, you know, be bold and, and build your bridges in here and start hunting some of these areas with already this uh, significant pressure to your north, you know, all you're going to do is just export your deer back over to a, a more safe, safer uh, environment. So we opted. Um, uh, let's see. These stands here are, you know, they were both, they wanted, you know, more of a redneck blind, more of a blind scenario where they can have more scent control with the windows. They wanted, you know, strong, you know, uh, window seal integrity. Uh, they could sit here quite often. Um, and these are your shooting radiuses, obviously. But check out this food, you know, dynamic right here. I'm going to zoom out real quick. You know, we wanted... Uh, a lot of tonnage and you can see that more destination plot towards the center uh, and then we have more linear travel plots that you know uh kind of form to the natural flow of how the deer are going to come and, and leave the property um we did a little tsi work here um there's no way we could get anybody across that creek you know to uh to actually harvest this timber which it was mature it very well could have been easily but the creek just nobody would do it so we we strategically made a tsi this kind of a like a, a main artery from you know the security cover back here where we saw a ton of deer sign coming on and off uh, we really wanted to enhance that travel to the food sources um, and then when they hit this linear travel route more towards this uh, destination plot you know, you've got multiple uh, stand locations that's going to inherit that travel route there. Um, we did, you know, we, we, we want uh, food diversity, not just, you know, grains and greens. We want hard, specific hard mast uh, orchards, soft mast orchards. Uh, we did it up and, you know, we want, you know, to bridge that nutritional gap with, you know, the food plot diversities. Uh, as well as these uh, fruit trees and these hard mass trees. So you can see uh, this, this food plot architecture here. This customer was a rifle and bow, uh, you know, customer. He, he liked both. So you can see some of this architecture uh, is designed to squeeze uh, the travel routes down within that 25-yard radius all the way out to 50-yard radius. Um, so very strategic in how we designed, uh, you know, these food plots here. So any questions on, on that before we get into anything else? Lee, one of the things I was picking up on, and you, you touched on it by talking about travel, but just to demonstrate how you can have food consistently throughout the length of a property, but focusing that on, on travel routes and having whether it's your food plot selection, like you have that, uh, I don't know what your variety than the, the darker color is there in the middle, but you know, that's consistent all the way throughout the property. A lot of times I'm doing that with a clover or a chicory blend, 
Um, and that makes a really nice walkway or travel plot as we call them throughout the property. Yes. Um, that is spot on. And I like planning, you know, uh, this type soil here is really, really good for, you know, planting a, a soybean and you can plant that soybean, uh, paired next to, you know, that linear clover chicory, uh, plot and it adds height. You know, it adds that, I call it a false edge, you know, all the way down through there. They feel secure with the height of that soybean. Uh, so they'll walk right down it just perfectly. Um, and, and they'll meander all the way through it. And they may, you know, take a little off-ramp here, and that's fine. Uh, I want to talk about that levee here in a minute. So don't let me run out of time because that was a really cool feature of this property. Um, but very strategic on that linear plot and you can't tell this but right here it's a little bit of a low spot uh and it's almost you know you can't see it uh even almost with your naked eye but i picked up on it it's a little swag in this field that goes through here like this and if anybody's hunted big bucks you know definitely in flat country you know when they're traveling and you know they've got this newfound sense of security through here with some edge but they will oftentimes take those lower, you know, uh, lower little channels through a field like that to stay hidden. Um, so we definitely utilized that natural little ditch that ran through this property uh, to, you know, stay with that linear travel uh, route with that plot. So, and this stand can easily see, uh, you know, down into that little ditch and he thinks he's safe, but he's totally not safe. Yeah. Um, that's really so, good. Lee, I want to jump in and ask you about that specifically. So yeah. while he's safe there, you've got some other creative things. You know, you, we talked about how, you know, the distinctive value here is going to be food, but you've got some creative ways of getting cover onto this property. It may not be a large bedding area type of cover, but you're helping these deer feel very secure as they move their way through the property. Can you can you talk a little bit about the edge? The, the soybeans got me thinking there because it's like, yeah, you've got a four foot five foot wall of soybeans behind you which you know folks folks up in the midwest grow a lot of soybeans but boy they get tall in the south with these long growing seasons yeah <clears throat> they will um so notice i want you to notice this has some regenerative edge right here uh this side does not um we we butted all the way up against the trees here uh and wanted to create a very sharp edge because you know, we're accessing some of this across this field. There's just no way around it. So we definitely don't want to enhance any, you know, or encourage any bedding uh, in here and let them see us access these stands across this field. So it's very strategic that we don't have edge in some of these areas. And then other areas, they do. Uh, this is actually switchgrass. And uh, for y'all that are looking at the fruit trees, that's not in the switchgrass, you know, we're, we're, we're planting in the field, but, um, this is actually switchgrass, um, that, that encourages them to walk this whole levee right here. I guess it was a man-made levee for sure. Just to keep that Creek, you know, uh, at bay there, but that, that levee wraps from the highway all the way around, you know, like this right here. And it was a high levee and dude, they were walking up and down that like a highway. Hmm. Um, and there was bedding all over. This is natural bedding. You know, this was uh, all through that levee. But we we did, this was not here. 
we we were making a bridge, you know, we're just going to fill in. There's, this is not, uh, there's no current in this. It's just almost like a little oxbow or whatever, stagnant water. Uh, it's like a moat all the way around it. So we wanted to put an off ramp uh, right on this point because they wrap just perfectly around. Uh, and we wanted to let them off ramp right into here. So that was a really cool feature. Um, but yeah, there's, there's cover all around this new created cover. The deer are, they, they seem to be pretty safe. Uh, they feel pretty safe. Uh, they were naturally coming through some of these areas. This is an old cattle fence. So we cut uh, some of the fence to encourage uh, some travel up here. And then where there was some fences broken right here, there was some natural off ramps that were just, man, just a slam dunk uh, for some of our, uh, our setups. Definitely this one. I will get a picture of this gentleman holding a buck from this stand right here. There was already a scrape here. Uh, we put a, a, another moth scrape licking branch with a camera. He's, he's pegging him uh, constantly. He's just a year uh, too young. Uh, and I think that deer has made it so far. So next year uh, he will be holding horn uh, from this stand right here. Uh, he can he can opt to shoot it with a bow or a rifle. It, it, it's a perfect little sabotage point right onto that levee. Uh, and we really encourage him to off, you know, uh, take that ramp off if he, if he so choose to do so awesome setup it. right here. I love it. I love it. One more question that I, that I want to ask that I feel like maybe, uh, viewers or listeners might be asking eh, viewers, not listeners. They won't be, they won't be able to hear this, but <laughs> it's how many stands total do you have on this property? It should have been uh, five, two, four, five. That's correct. So five. five five total stand sites on 100 acres. Yes. 100 acre properties that I've walked down here, or a lot of them that I've been on before, have stand sites galore. Tell me a little bit about why you've limited yourself to five high quality, the five best setups, sure. as opposed to having stands scattered all across this place. Sure. And, you know, we, we preach sanctuary integrity uh, to our clients and that's a big thing. And like like we're talking about, like this this property, you know, there's not a lot of sanctuary on it. You know, this is wide open back here. Um, you know, we uh, we have to be really, really you know aware of our intrusion on this property uh, because you will be exporting uh, quite a bit. And they definitely, you know, uh, if, if, if they saw this as a destination and you, you consistently hammered this, like you're going to devalue these plots significantly the more and more you hunt it. So these stands are very strategic on, on their location that will minimize that intrusion on your, uh, on your plot. Uh, and obviously we're only going into some of these places, you know, at the, at the best times, uh, weather, uh, seasonal pattern shifts. Um, I do want to highlight one stand real quick. You know, this one was uh, kind of up on the property line that Main Creek runs through, but we had a unique opportunity to cross this bridge and still be on his property here. And we could spike in and use that creek uh, to, to wrap around and feel really, you know, secure on our access to get to a point where we found some crazy good buck bedding in here. Um, and, you know, this is a, an excellent, just straight due south um you know location you know we needed some more south locations on this place 
you know, as you can see, there's a lot of north, uh, northeast, you know, type locations here and not a lot of south. So we did want to get him. I love hunting that first south wind after a good cold front. Uh, and I wanted to find him some south wind locations, uh, able to find one there. So, but yeah, very, you know, we, we maintain the sanctuary integrity of this place uh, by putting them in the El Primo spots um, and, and obviously limiting, you know, when we do go in. Like this one right here, this one will withstand a lot of pressure uh, for a lot of reasons. Highways are extremely noisy. Um, and definitely an interstate like this, you know, and, and your access, you know, we're, we just opted to walk almost right down, you know, the side of the highway. You can get away with a lot uh, by using highways. Um, and this is way, you know, away from pretty much all the deer activity up, you know, in, in these bedding areas. Very secure. You know, he's going to have his access, um, you know, screened the, probably the last hundred yards when he has to come out of this little ditch. And this one can take a lot of pressure. And, and this is the stand that we allocated for his dad because it was a big deal for, for his dad uh, to hunt a lot. And I'm like, man, that northwest plot is your dad's. Like he can hunt the fire out of that. Anything north, northeast, send him, you know, and he'll right. be fine. Right, right. Love yep. it. Love that. Yeah, I was just gonna jump, I'm going to jump in there and just throw something out too. I was, I've been sure. watching here and, and, and I think Josh touched on this earlier. It just it reemphasizes uh, the regional approach that we have with things of how different every state is with their hunting seasons, combine that with how unique every landowner is. And those are, those factors are what lead to decisions that, that set this up. If you had somebody that was strictly bow hunting in the Midwest, they might be looking at this plan saying, this may not work for his situation. And, and he'd be right. And, and I think that that's what we need to understand is we take so many things into context when we're developing a plan that it's important to realize this is what fits this property, this landowner, this state, the seasons they have, all those factors. Amen. Right, right. What's that Arkansas gun season? They've got a pretty long gun season as well, huh? It's, it's, well, it comes in spurts, I'm pretty sure. And I, I honestly don't remember. I don't hunt Arkansas quite, you know, uh, but it's nothing like Tennessee's where it's consecutive. You know, right. we have 95 days consecutive. I am, I do not remember uh, the, the Arkansas, um, you know, season. Okay. Yeah, but to your point, Lee, with Tennessee, for example, you'd you 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 talk about this a lot because you live it is not pressuring locations and yep. letting the neighbors wreck their ground uh, because yours just keeps getting better throughout the season. Oh, amen. Yeah, it's <clears throat> that's distinct value that I talk about. You know, when you when you look at you know game laws or season dates, you know, when you look at Tennessee's and you have ninety five consecutive days. Man, you really think sanctuary, you really think intrusion, which you think about that on all everybody's property, but you're hypersensitive, you know, when you have 95 day rifle season and you've got somebody on every corner, you really cannot be messing up on your intrusion and exporting those deer. They're going to get killed. So absolutely. Right. right. I had a, an individual that I talked to, um, the day before yesterday, actually getting out, uh, heading to his property on Friday of this week. 
and really excited to get to this property. It's a it's a gem of a piece, and the guys have done a lot of habitat work on it already. Lots of prescribed burning, and just you know have have just made it a really good wildlife area. But want to set it up a little bit more conducive for their for their hunting. Um, he was not able to get out and do very much hunting this year, uh, just with family stuff, got busy, all of that kind of thing. And he said, man, I cannot believe the number of mature bucks that I've had on my property this year. He said, we always thought we hunted carefully. We always thought we weren't, you know, pressuring the woods too hard. Uh, but they've got, you know, nearly triple, but definitely over double the number of mature bucks that they would be used to chasing around on this piece of property. And I think, you know, as we think about, wow, five stand sites on 100 acres doesn't sound like a lot. You know, we think about, hey, if conditions aren't ideal, looks like we're staying home that day a lot of times, going to go do something else. And people might be wondering, is it worth it? Yeah. Yeah, it ab- it absolutely, yep. absolutely is. And you had actually a camera pull on your place a couple weeks ago that uh, really underlined that fact of how important that sanctuary is. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, we haven't. We hadn't seen this buck, period, uh, until I saw it two days before my son actually harvested the, the deer. But it was the largest deer on the property. Um, and he was, you know, I, I leave several cameras out. I, I, I run cellulars, but I run a lot of non-cellulars intentionally just because the video quality is so much better. And you can, you know, have a, a pretty lengthy uh, video and not run your batteries down. Uh, so I, I set a lot of video uh, cameras in the core of my property and just let them sit um, because I don't want to go down there and check them. And I finally did go down and, and pull this card. And I was, you know, I, I wasn't surprised uh, with what I saw. I saw every one of my target bucks, including this buck that we'd never seen, just hammering this scrape. And it's a communal scrape. Happens every year. It's a spot I put every year just because I know it's going to have uh, a lot of buck activity there, but absolutely, man, there's no doubt that that deer was, you know, in that sanctuary, in that core area, because I'd never go there. I make my improvements over the next month when season's over in that territory, uh, that segment of my property. And I do not go back in there ever. Um, I enjoy going in there because there's so much deer sign, you know, and 10 years ago, that's where Lee would be. You know, mm, if I saw yeah. that type sign, yep. dude, I would be all up in that. And guess what? I wouldn't have these type deer uh, on my property if I was if I continued to do that. I can kill them just as easy, you know, getting them out uh, in some of these major arterial travel routes. I can, I can kill them, you know, pre and peak rut in those time frames. I can kill them in my food sources late season. It's, you know, I don't need to intrude on my core. Uh, to kill these deer that's where they're safest uh, and you know you going in there is going to uh, export your herd for sure and get them killed right so right that's really good and that's you know one of the things you know we work with a lot of land owners but folks who are working uh, with a with a lease that they have maybe they've got a long-term lease or long-term permission or uh, you know, maybe they don't own the land, but they've got permission to do improvements on the land. And they, they ask, Hey, I'm limited on what can I do? What can I do? You know? And one yep. of the first things I always tell people is, is if you can't do a lot of land management, you can certainly do a lot of hunter management. You can manage hey, the way that you hunt that place. You can manage the way you approach it. You can manage that, you know, half inch of trigger pull 
what you shoot and what you don't shoot on that property. You can do a lot to improve your deer hunting simply by having some self-control, you know, and, yep. and that can go a long way for a lot of properties, especially if you're limited on what you can manipulate on the ground. But, uh, man, yeah. I've got, I've got one more question for you before I kind of kick it over to everybody else. Um, that's yeah. the, the joy of getting to host, right? I get to ask all my questions and, um, <laughs> if anybody else starts talking, I can just mute them and, uh, you know, you'll never know they were asking a question, <laughs> but, uh, you in this, I, I think is a really important, uh, feature to bring up a really important principle of, you know, designing a property that, that has come up for me with this, with this specific, uh, property choosing not to improve certain locations. You had two factors that went into you choosing not to improve certain locations on this property. So I'm curious if you could just go into maybe why you don't do that. Cause some folks might look at this and say, well, you got a lot of stuff here that you didn't, you know, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why don't you have bedding here? Why don't, why not more? Well, there's a lot of good reasons. You, you mentioned two really good ones. Can you go into that a bit more? And, I, and I'm assuming you're talking about the West side bedding. Correct. Maybe? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, this gentleman, like, like I said, he's on a budget, like 99% of us are, and you know, he needs all of this field right here to be leased out, uh, just to generate income. So we're walking across, you know, in some of these areas, just a, a, a wasteland and very exposed, uh, route through here up until the last little jag. Um, you can see the screen, you know, he did allow me to put, uh, some annual screen here uh the last probably hundred yards to the, to these stand locations uh so we we definitely did did not want to encourage you know more bedding uh in some of these areas that we knew would just have a bird's eye view of us walking across right uh you know this field and when you have food you know your does are definitely going to want to bed close to this food source so it's going to be an ongoing challenge uh so i did not want to have any uh, additional edge in some of these areas, definitely not this destination type plot, um, because we're walking through here and this is one of the hottest stands. Um, so absolutely, uh, we opted, uh, to, to not, you know, beef this bedding up. Like, why would you want to put bedding here? You know, it's, right. it's, uh, it's not going to benefit you, um, you know, on your access. Right. So if anything, you know, we did like, this is destruction right here. You know, there's a lot of bedding right here. Uh, man, we just can't have that, you know. Mm. Um, so it's just the access was good on this property, but it is a little bit challenged and you have to be careful. You don't want to set up a bunch of, of bedding that you're going to have to cross its path. Right. So we want to kind of emphasize more on the east side and, and not even have a lot of bedding, you know, improvements because this is the property line right here. Um, as you can see, and you can't cross this Creek, uh, hardly at all. Um, mm. it was a little bit dangerous how we did it, but, um, like I said, we're, we're benefiting from the neighbors. He can't even hunt this. This is not huntable that they just let it go. Uh, and it was so thick. You couldn't even walk in it hardly. Um, so they, they can't effectively hunt this. Uh, so why not just le leverage that to our advantage? Um, instead of trying to, you know, reinvent the wheel in some areas that just doesn't make sense. Right. Right. Very good guys. Uh, anybody else have questions for Lee? Anything you want to point out? I guess I'll go. Um, that I really like how you had, like Sam touched on this earlier. I love how you're moving these deer with food throughout the property. And there's one spot that 
stuck out to me. I know you said that the, that second stand or third stand from the north that's the, a really hot spot, but I, I like I also like the one sure. south of that. So if you go, you pull down a little bit, yeah, that one right there. I really like how oh, yeah. you have that switchgrass planted pointing back towards the stand. And this is something that guys can take away from this and do on their own plots. If you're noticing that deer are kind of just walking through your food plots, they don't really have a pattern through your plots, just kind of wandering through, you can influence movement by planting structure within your plot, whether that's, you know, switchgrass, pine trees, fruit trees, miscanthus, you name it, you can put something in the middle of your plot to kind of one, cut down the sight lines. So now that buck has to work around that corner, but you can also kind of push him towards your stand location. And like you said earlier, they could cut that corner. Switchgrass is kind of a soft screen, so they can just walk right through it. But, you know, they're still going to follow that edge a lot of times. If they feel comfortable, you're not pressuring the property, you're not pushing in too far, they're really going to follow that edge. And that, that, I think that's going to be another really good stand location, especially since you built that bridge yes. over that levee. You know, they, don't, they, they have never had a, oh, a yeah. way across before, and they just follow that edge. It, now you gave them the primary yep. spot to cross that. And that's on a corner right there, like almost like an outside corner. They're going to, that, that just points them, like both those edges point to that one spot. They're going to cross that bridge, feel yep. really safe going through that switchgrass, even from, from the wood side, the, the cover side, hit that scrape. That's going to be another really good location. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, notice it pinches it within right. bow range too, because this can turn in, to, you, you want a late season rifle opportunity, you want to shoot 300 yards, here's your stand. If you want an early, you know, bow stand, you know, with a summertime pattern that you've got a big buck pattern in here, right here. Yep. Come right I here. Thought that would yeah, be this is a great spot bow for that stand guy's too. dad just to, to sit. So yeah, both that north second spot by yeah. the road, easy access there. Yeah, if you want to see yep. a lot of deer, you know, you want to get a chance at uh, a really nice buck, yeah, I thought that would be another good one for, for that guy's dad to sit at. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the fruit trees, the soft mass trees encourage yeah. that off ramp. You know, we definitely wanted to, we want a strong pool, you know, from this area right here, because we know that's where the deer are coming from. We wanted a real strong pool. So we really ramped it up, but we don't have a lot of diversity, food plot diversity down here. This is all mm -hmm. one thing and it's all a linear plot. We want them to hit this and be like, oh, this is good. But I know the, you know, everything in the kitchen sink right. is over here. Yep, that's the appetizer. So we want we want them to come through here and, and meander around to the to the goods. So one more thing I'd build off Jake's comment there with that uh, switchgrass being a soft edge as it divides the plot and, and Lee, like you're just describing, pushing it around. You could have a hard edge there, and if, if you have access to excavation equipment, you could either if you have water there like that. Uh, uh, shown by the levee is that just stagnant water you could dig that out such that there'd be water right out to where your mock scrape is uh, or uh, create a berm in there and they're going to be less uh, likely to go over that berm and expose themselves they go around it so uh, a couple of methods there for those with uh, access to equipment to consider doing um, though the switchgrass is excellent and also with the bridge as you have it i really like that idea by the way um, you know, that, that would have to play in as well, but a couple things to also consider other ways of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. 
At least, I know we're supposed to be tough on you with this, uh, but but I really I love a lot of what you've done here. Uh, and something you, you touched on a little bit before, but I just I wanted to to give you props for was, uh, you know, you have a hundred acres, right? But if you really look at it, we have maybe what forty acres to actually sure. manipulate and work with. Yep. Uh, and if you get hyper focused on the boundaries of the property, that's all you have. But deer don't care about our boundaries. They don't know about our you know our property lines that we put in. And by differentiating yourself from the neighboring properties, you basically turned 40 acres uh, of deer pull and you you tripled that or, or even more. We have hundreds of acres now that you're really yep. leveraging in your design without ever touching them. And I think that's really smart. Uh, and for a lot of landowners uh, who maybe don't have enough area to do everything, I think that's the perfect solution. Uh, amen. No, that's very well said. I mean, you're playing off probably around 800 acres right here. You know, that's what you're playing in right here. It's not just 40 acres, it's not 100. You know, play your play your hand with what's going on around you. And you can see it, it this is all part of the equation. So that's very well said. Right, right. Yeah, well done, Lee. I love this plan. Guys, if you're listening to this episode and you want to get a visual for this, you need to go check out our YouTube channel. There's also a lot here that we just don't have time to cover. We'd have Lee here all night long. Uh, trying to cover this plan. So if you got questions, anything like that, drop them in the comments of the video itself so that you can have somewhat of an idea of what we've got going on here. But uh, guys, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you for your time, Lee. Thanks for sharing this plan. Folks, be sure to go catch up with us on uh, all the social media networks and find us on YouTube as well if you want to see what we've got going on there. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you found this helpful, do us a favor and leave us a review wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram at whitetail underscore partners, on Facebook, whitetail partners, LLC, on YouTube by simply searching whitetail partners or online at whitetailpartners.com.